0: Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. No one likes to consider him or herself a puppet with someone else pulling the strings. Well, I've got some bad news and some good news. The bad news is that we are, all of us, attached to some pretty powerful strings these days. The good news is we each can own an equally powerful pair of scissors. I'll let Dr. Jennings Explains, who joins us today via Skype. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Okay, Dr. Jennings, just how are we being manipulated and how can we protect ourselves? One of the things that people have to be aware of is the information
1: that you're getting needs to be processed and thought through for yourself rather than just accepting it as necessarily accurate or reliable. Hmm. And in our society today, who's presenting the information to you? Are they biased or unbiased? Do they have an agenda? Do they want to influence you to think one way or another way? And so the source of your information should be considered. And in our society today, the media has demonstrated itself to be no longer an unbiased source of factual information, but an activist agency seeking to influence thought patterns and societal perspectives and beliefs. So when you hear things in the media, you really need to be discerning and thinking and and looking at the evidence of yourself. I'll give you a simple example. You would think, well, maybe professional. I'm thinking professional. I'm a psychiatrist. Maybe my own professional news magazines, which I get from various societies that I belong to, maybe they would be less vulnerable to this type of manipulation than the general public media that you get. Well, in a American Psychiatric News in June of 2021, I saw a headline of an article entitled, Medical Students Often Perceive Lack of Respect for Diversity Among Faculty, unquote. That was the title. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, what's going on with that? And, and as you hear that title, medical students often perceive lack of respect for diversity among faculty. What do you think when you hear that? What message is it sending? What's the core idea it triggers in you? It, it, does it suggest that there's a, a problem of bias and insensitivity in medical schools? I think it suggests that. What do you think, Charles? It sounds like it to me. Absolutely. And by suggesting that our trusted medical school faculty have a lack of respect of diversity, even in the trusted medical society must be terrible, <laughs> must be horrible for even that to be true. Yeah. And so does that make you then, the headline, make you feel sad? Does it confirm your, your victimhood that you live in a horrible, horrible, horrible society that doesn't get you, and and it's just unsafe, and it's unfair to you and your friends. Does a headline like that do that? Well, I decided to look into the article, look into the data that it was based upon. And when I actually got into the data, I was quite saddened to see that my own professional news from the professional organization is manipulating the way it presents the information. What does the actual data show? A survey of 28,000 medical students found that only 17.7% felt that the faculty were disrespectful to diverse individuals, which means that 82.3% of students (laughs) did not feel that way. (laughs) Now, did the article say 82.3% of students did not experience feeling that their faculty lacked respect for diverse groups or the vast majority of students experienced their faculty demonstrating positive role modeling and demonstrated respect and support for diverse groups. Did it say that? No, it didn't say that. But what does the data suggest? If you have 82.3% of a group thinking one thing, would that suggest that there's a serious problem, that often this other thing is happening? Mm -hmm. But the headline, medical students often perceive this. No, they actually rarely perceive this. They often don't. Mm -hmm. And so I found this quite telling of the agenda of what's happening in our society today. They're wanting people to believe that society is more intolerant, that institutions are more corrupt, that people are more unfair than the reality actually is. It's powerful mind manipulation. It goes farther, though. In the article, it actually goes on to make recommendations. So the article doesn't consider whether those 17.7% of individuals had a perception problem, meaning they perceived it but just because they perceived that there was intolerance doesn't mean there was actual intolerance. Mm. Could it be they had their own biases? Could yeah. it be they had their own prejudices? Yeah. Could they had their own distortions? Could it be that they were interpreting innocuous and innocent events as being offensive when they weren't being? Could it be when 82% of the group doesn't perceive that, that the 17% might need to look back and see, are they giving an honest interpretation, or are they putting their own spin in hearing offense when none was actually intended. Yeah. But the authors of the article never explored that possibility. Instead, they went with the current victimhood mentality of our society, and they made the recommendation that there should be research to see how to identify optimal interventions to improve the role modeling of the faculty.
0: In other words, they're trying to protect that 17%, and they should, they should recognize that only 17% of the people feel this way. 82% are fine with it. And so telling the faculty to change may not be the right course. I think they should figure out ways of telling those students that are saying that they're not having diversity to look at this again and use reality. The point is
1: the headlines and the media and the way it's presented slant it toward one particular yes. worldview yes. Yes. or mindset. Yes. And that worldview or mindset is not actually supported by the data in the survey that they're using, they took a survey and they used it to create a narrative that is actually not supported by the survey. Now, is it possible that the 17.7% are? perceiving something, there actually is slights and in, insensitivity is going on? Yes, but the survey doesn't support that. Is it possible that the 17% are actually oversensitive and are misreading the cues? Yes, but the survey also doesn't answer that question. Mm-hmm. The point I'm making is that they took a data point and created a story that presents a narrative of bias that is consistently happening in our society today that suggests America is an intolerant, abusive, unfriendly place to anybody but the majority of people. And I'm going to suggest that that fact is not true, that the intolerant people are actually the minority. ¶¶
0: That's a problem that I see in so many areas, in newspapers and in magazines and on television. You're absolutely right. The bias of the people presenting is what's being shared, not the actual truth so many times. It's the actual bias of the people. How do we overcome that, Dr. Dink? How in the world do we look at this world of string pullers and cut those strings? How do we do it? Well, the Bible says that the mature, Hebrews 5.14, are those who develop by practice
1: the ability to discern the right from the wrong. Hmm. The only way to develop mathematical abilities is to work math problems. You actually have to work the problems and practice your math, and and then you can advance in math and do more complicated math. You have to learn the basics of addition and subtraction and division and multiplication, and then you can do algebra and then you can do calculus. In other words, you have to keep practicing, and the more you practice, the better you get and more complex problems you can solve. Life is about solving problems. We must practice problem solving. We must be in godly principles and understanding of reality to apply to circumstances. And just like doing math, some of the problems we solve along the way during our development, we get wrong. And when you get a problem wrong, you don't say, I'm stupid, I can't learn. You go back and you examine, okay, where did the decision-making break down? What points did I have incorrect? What principles did I have off? And then you adjust your decision-making and you make better solutions with new problems in the future. And so what we're discovering here, if your problem-solving approach is to allow the person an authority—well, the way I do math is I ask the teacher to give me the answer mm-hmm. key, and I memorize That's the answer true. key. So when the test comes, I write them all down, and I get, I get 100% because I got them right. You still don't know how to do math. And many people approach life's problems and theological problems by memorizing the creed, having the pastor, the church leader, the president, the doctor, some organization tell them the answer. Rather than learning how to think through the problems and come to their own conclusion, our goal at Common Reason Ministries is to help people develop their God given discerning abilities to be able to differentiate and think for
0: themselves and figure out the problems of life. So education and knowledge, those are the scissors that we're looking at to cut the strings of people who are trying to manipulate this or all media that's trying to manipulate this, right? Education is important, but I will tell you there are many doctoral degree educated people
1: out there that have no wisdom and no discernment. Yeah, that's true. They can simply report back and parrot back the memorized information that they were indoctrinated to learn, but they really don't know how reality works and how to discern their way out of problems. And so just being educated, it depends on the type of education. A lot of education is indoctrination rather than teaching critical
0: reasoning and problem solving yeah So you're saying that we need to step beyond that, and we need to step where? Where is our source of truth and knowledge?
1: The common reason, we teach people how to engage their God-given abilities to differentiate different perspectives, and we use the integrative evidence-based approach, where we want people to harmonize three threads of evidence to come to conclusions. When all three agree, you can be confident you're standing on truth, that is Scripture itself science and nature and life's experiences, how life actually works. And when all three of those come to the same conclusion, then you can be confident you're standing on truth. And now not every decision in life will have evidences from all three, but once you begin doing that, you'll discover design laws, constants, the laws of health, the laws of physics, but also other laws that govern our minds and our relationships that never change. And when you understand those and you bring those to bear in your decision making, you can see where certain courses of action are violating God's design for life and health and even if you don't have all the evidences you know that violations of God's laws and designs are never going to be healthy so you don't even have to go much farther than that when you see those principles being violated
0: I like to sit out on our front deck in the evening and watch the stars come out. And sometimes I go out at night and just look up at the heavens. And the other night I was thinking, you know, Dr. Jennings would appreciate the sky because it's not changing. It is absolutely factual. There's nothing going on up there that anybody has to interpret. It is the beauty of God's nature. It is wonderful and it is changeless. And I like to think that there is a truth out there that is like that. Would I be right in saying that? There are eternal
1: truths that are constants. The problem with our society today is, though, they have taken the word truth and they have really, really perverted yes, it, yes. Uh, and they've applied it to things that are not truths at all. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And they often simply mean the way they feel. Yeah. Feelings are not truth. It might be true you have a feeling, but what you feel true. may actually be quite misleading. Yes truths are constants that are reproducible and are testable and are are not changeable based on your feelings. And we want to find those eternal truths upon which reality operate and then live in
0: harmony with them. And then snip, snip, there go those strings. That's wonderful. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And by the way, listener, there's a website, commonreason.com, where there's a lot of resources you can enjoy. You can look for truth in his books, Dr. Jennings' books, as well as his sharing tracks and the uh, paraphrase of the New Testament called The Remedy. New products coming online all the time, and every once in a while, they give something away. They're on the website, so you might want to check out and see if you are a lucky visitor to see if you can get something absolutely free. That's at commonreason.com. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing today. We really appreciate your words of wisdom. Thank you, Charles. And listener, this program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone.